0: Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we have a look in more depth at the passage we explored at at on Sunday. I'm Dave.
1: And I'm Mandy. On Sunday, we were continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount. We had our third sermon where we looked particularly at Matthew chapter 5 from verse 17. Uh, We were thinking about the way that Jesus uh, fulfills the law and really got the big picture of what the laws are what that passage is talking about and what it looks like for us to live in light of it. But Dave, you promised that uh, we were going to get into some of the nitty gritty uh, today
0: absolutely it's um it's interesting i one of the things i actually found really helpful in preparing and and just thinking through is actually doing it as a whole because i think so often in my past interactions with matthew 5 you, you you do end up going to well what does jesus teach about adultery here what does jesus teach about about murder and things like that and you and you really think through some of those things and and it was helpful to step back and go these have a place in an argument that Jesus is making. And to just sort of focus on that, I, I personally found was was, was helpful and, and helped me in my thinking. So mm. anyway, I hope it was helpful for other people. But, but that's also why we go, yeah, we've got to do a podcast on this one for sure because there's some, some pretty important issues that it brings up that are very close to our lives, obviously. And, and so that's what we're going to look at today. Now, one thing we're going to do different today is we're going to do our first ever. I mean, how many podcasts have we done now, Mandy?
1: Uh, we're heading up to, we're still just under the 100 mark, but we're Ooh, heading up towards heading up it.
0: Towards, we thought, well, before we get to 100, we've got to have at least had one two parter. And this is what we, and we're doing a two parter here because um, this passage is is very full. It, it has generated a number of very, not, not just a number of questions, but significant questions that are really worth wrestling with. And, and, there's something about this chapter that brings certain things up that don't turn up all the time. So, so we know that some of you listen while you're walking and things like that. So we thought let's throw your bone and do it yep. in two. Hey,
1: okay, so let's go for it. Here's part one.
0: So uh, here's what uh, I thought we'd do to begin with: we want to talk about the recap, what that big framework is, mm-hmm. and address a couple of things that we can easily get wrong, and uh, and and think about how how do you do ethics. As a as a Christian, what what are the ways you can approach it, and how what's the healthy way to approach it? And I think one of the good things about Matthew five seventeen to forty eight is is a, especially the first section of it is it helps Jesus actually helps us to think about the mindset we've got to approach ethics with, unlike the Pharisaic legalistic
1: mindset. Yep, yep. So I guess that's what we'll get to do um, as we record this now is to help us to think through how do we actually look at situations because. Really, we've talked about this in other times, it's really easy to know when there is a right and a wrong thing to do.
0: Yes, that's right. You
1: you make the choice, are you going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? Mm. Uh, but this is much more about thinking kind of as we live in the greys, how do we actually exercise that wisdom muscle that we spent lots of time at the end of last year as we were looking mm. yeah. through Proverbs? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, thinking yeah. about how do we actually understand the thrust of what God is saying to us in his word, and work hard to actually live out those righteous lives um, and to do that well, taking into account all of what's been said. And it actually is a it's a way of thinking about Scripture that yes. we've got to come to it with and understand sort of how it fits together and what the end goal is. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah no, that's exactly right. So um, there, there's some, some stuff about the specifics, as I said, that we'll talk later, um, as well as I, I'll kick that off, that second section, by talking about a false equivalence that we can somehow have and and then look at the details of it, but we'll get to that. Uh, Let's just, uh, in terms of the overarching thing, one of the key things uh, that we've got to sort of step back and see what Jesus is doing in, in Matthew 5 is he's talking about that Matthew 5, especially the second part, is about righteousness. It's not about what are the laws that Christians keep. Right, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not about even necessarily what what the law means. It's about perhaps what I might say what the law shows. Okay, yeah. what what it what it points to. Jesus is talking about the fullness. So it's about it's about righteousness, and perhaps uh, an interesting um, uh, point to sort of it, reiterate that is the way the very the passage finishes. So in um as we as we tend to do, we'll, we'll um. Sometimes we'll look at the, at the NIV version. Sometimes we'll, we'll read the special version. Um,
1: <laughs> the, the David Mears <laughs> translation. Um,
0: but but uh, chapter 5, verse 48, where the whole thing finishes off, say, reads, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that's the bit that hits you at the end. Um, but I think one of the things that's helpful to understand about that is the word perfect. So the word that's translated there is perfect, does mean perfect, but but um, the English word perfect tends to have a connotation of f- faultless. Yep. Right? Without flaw. Without, without flaw. You're thinking of the perfect diamond or the perfect suit. Everything was just right about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas the word that's translated as perfect can also mean complete, right? Um okay. I mean, final, but, but it's the word from which we get our word telescope and things like that from. Mm. Um, it, but but it, it's about f- fullness, completeness. Mm. And you remember, how did Jesus kick it off? He was saying, I've not come here to abolish the law, but to
1: fulfil fulfill it. it. To and, complete uh, it.
0: And then at the end of it all, we say, so therefore be complete, another way of thinking about it, as your heavenly Father is complete. Now, why I think, I don't think I'm don't, i not saying that the translation perfect is wrong, but it sometimes helps to know that it carries the the nuance of completion mm-hmm. that our english word perfect doesn't yeah always anyway yep. so so now what, why is that why is that important because what we see jesus doing with the law is he talks he keeps he says you can righteousness remember it's about righteousness it's not actually about what each of these laws specifically is he's yep. getting at it's about um, how the pharisees actually reduce the meaning of the old testament law by, by making it convenient, overly defined, such that you can easily define away things that you don't necessarily want to obey, or whatever yep. else like that, and and so and what Jesus does is he he responds to how they've misused the law, but then what he does on the way through is he then gives these positive examples, often, of, that that uh, you don't necessarily seem to be a one for one relationship with say murder and, and and um oh that that's right make sure I I Deal with a, you know, sort out an issue I've got with my friend before we go to the law court, right? What what's he doing? Because he's saying, if you want to understand the law, you need to understand that it's it's pointing to um, uh, a, a fuller understanding of what it is to be God's person. Mm. What is God like? What 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 is the, so? Um, in a sense, that the the laws are various little fence markings that that um, behind them really point to. Help us understand the character of God. Mm. And so that's actually key to understanding the whole thing. And so when Jesus keeps talking about these other things that we're meant to do, he kind of says, no, you're not, yeah, don't murder, but actually this is what you are to be like. If you want mm. your righteousness, which is what it's all about, if you want your righteousness, which must be more than the Pharisees, well, what then should it look like? It should be that you're a peacemaker. It should be mm. that you you um you actually are wanting to bring good into a situation because that's what righteousness looks like because that's the sort of god we follow mm. and so in a sense which when when you get to verse 48 the complete thing is you want to know the answer of what is righteous be like god. god now if we go back a step and we go does why why should that surprise us how does the how does the creation of humanity in very chapter 1 begin that men and women are made in the image of God. Mm. We are made by him to be in relationship with him but also to be in his image. Mm. Proper humanity is God-like.
1: Yes, and I think that actually is one of the things that really should blow our minds. Mm. Mm. Um, the whole that we he has made us in such a way that actually we are able to reflect back what he is like Yes, in the way that he has created us.
0: And the, and the Old Testament law reveals to us. Because remember, when the, the Old Testament law is not just the Old Testament laws, mm. um, so so it, it 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 reveals us to, to us um, who who God is mm. and 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 how He has made the world and what He's made it to be like and what He's made us to be mm. like and things like that. And and there is various laws and commands upon that to, that help um, a people who by now have sin has entered the world to to keep us away from going where we really mustn't but they're not the answer of where we need to go we need to go to be like him and yeah. of course by the time christ comes to fulfill the law it is he is the one who shows us what the law is all mm-hmm. about and again it's like him like jesus so so uh, what what righteousness looks like is being like god and so when we the the pharisee the Pharisaic. Tendency to try and look to the law to um, to go. I'm I'm fine because I obeyed that law as I have now defined it. Can easily just become this um, uh, facade, which I can I can deceive myself into thinking that I'm righteous, while my heart doesn't change and I'm still a rebel against God. Yep. And so the answers that Jesus comes up with is to say, No, you don't go like that and play that kind of game. Your heart is meant to long to be like gods yeah. so uh let, let's use that e- example of the, of the of the the peacemaker for instance instead of you know the the oh oh i've ticked murder i, I haven't murdered anyone therefore i'm righteous no the righteous person is not a the righteous is blessed are the peacemakers mm. that's what god says is righteous because god is the one about reconciling not about doing the complete opposite of that of murdering, right? Yeah. So each of the positive examples that Jesus uses are really showing what godlike character is and are not necessarily just counterpoints to to, to the wrong reading of the law. They're showing us that law in its fullness um, is what righteousness looks like and and that legalistic a legalistic approach isn't. So um, that's critically important for understanding the law what does it mean to be like god and we in the full revelation of christ coming and is what does it mean to be like jesus yeah and uh so you go the extra mile you do all of those sorts of things um rather than thinking you're righteous but just not being a criminal yeah. so let's talk about a couple of more of those
1: things so that's really helpful as we kind of relay the foundations and remind ourselves where we came yesterday. Uh, there were quite a few questions that came in and we're going to deal with a lot of them along the way um, as we do it and sometimes I'll actually then just read out the question that we've got. And so one of the questions that, uh, that came up was asking a bit about how do we actually know when uh, the timing of all this and when things have been accomplished And so in verse 18, 18, um, we read, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And so the question was asking, well, Dave, when is everything accomplished? Is this referring to Jesus' death on the cross? Is it looking forward to uh, when he will return? Is it some other time altogether?
0: And it's a critical question because because the the consequence of that question is. Uh, when does the law disappear?
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it kind of says, and until everything is accomplished, none of it will go. But then, once it's all accomplished, it will. And so we go. Well, when there's that, now there, there's a, a couple of things you you, you might go because John's gospel at Jesus at the cross says it is finished. Yeah. Um, interestingly, he doesn't in Matthew's gospel. If Matthew had said had Jesus saying it's finished, and he says until everything is accomplished, and if it was the same sort of word, you'd be going, oh, oh, this. That it maybe it maybe it's at the cross, um, but I don't think it is that. I think we get a clue in verse eighteen when it talks about until heaven and earth pass away. Now that could just be an expression saying, "Oh, you know, like um, it'll endure as long as everything else endures." But you know, we've we've touched on Revelation last yeah. year. We know in the full counsel of God, we and and even. You know, the in in parts of the in, in Isaiah it talks about there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. So it's not like that was something new that God added just when John wrote Revelation. Nine. So, um, I think it, you go well when heaven and earth pass away. We know from the full counsel of Scripture is when the old order of things will pass away, and when the full um, kingdom of God, without any rebellion against it, will will reign forever. Mm. Yeah, right? and so even though the kingdom of God is rightly understood to have begun mm. at the cross and at the resurrection that is when that is when uh, he accomplishes his work of of atonement and and rise again from the dead, and then there's the building of his kingdom that goes on through that. So in a so sense the theologians come up with the words inauguration, that's when it began. There's an overlap of yep. ages. The kingdom has begun. So I guess you could say in the up until the cross, the kingdom is near. Yep. <laughs> um it's imminent. Um at at the at the cross and at the resurrection, it has come, it has been inaugurated and begun, and then there's the building out of the kingdom. And then there's a consummation of the kingdom on the last day when everything is made right and everything yep. is conformed and every knee bows before Christ. So, so that's the, the thrust of the whole of Scriptures. And I think that's what Matthew means here because of where, how Matthew finishes his mm-hmm. Gospel. So uh, the finish of God, Matthew's Gospel is one of the more famous finishes of the Gospels. Do you, do you want to read us um, what's often known as the Great Commission?
1: Yeah. So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go.
0: we we see the kingdom inaugurated all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me yep. um but then we see him instructing the disciples to be the salt and light mm. the light for the nations yep. the light of the world, the world um that he began the, the 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 sermon on the mount with and he and he commissions them to go do that so that the nations might actually come in yep. and be his disciples like they are so in a sense the the, the sermon on the mount is this formative instruction of what even before the kingdom has been becoming inaugurated, of what they're kind of the groundwork of what they've got to do once yep. he 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 has ascended and they've got to go mm. off and do it. Um but you also see that Jesus saying until the very end of the age. Yep. Jesus is saying with his own lips in Matthew's gospel it ain't over yet. Yep. And until it's all over yet, all of the law still because it will point to him continues to be relevant until all of the point in him is not necessary because the new heavens and new earth are there and he's enthroned in the centre of it yep. and, and for, for all of the redeemed to see. So, so that, that's why it's definitely talking about the new heavens and the new earth.
1: Yep. So if we've got that, um, I think that leads to the next sort of questions that came up, which are, well, if that's it, then how do we work out, because it seems as Christians that there's an awful lot of Old Testament law um, we know in one sense that it all has its fulfillment in Jesus, yet we definitely still keep some of the laws but probably arguably not others. And and that's part of the question that was asked. So so how do we know? How do we look at the law and go, oh, well, I know it's all ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, but which bits am I supposed to keep and which bits do I thank the Lord, that they're fulfilled in Jesus so that I don't have to fulfill them myself.
0: So he, an interesting thing to do with that is that um, because something is fulfilled in Jesus does not mean that it drops out because the, the, let's just say the law about the priesthood um, you know, where, where all the instructions about the priest, we're going to hear so much about this in in Hebrews, Hebrews, right? <laughs> but but that the, the, the priest, he is our great high priest. He's what the whole of the priesthood was pointing us to Christ, and he fulfills that. That's why we don't need priests anymore. In in, in fact, the whole church uh, acts almost as a priest because yep. we are in Christ we are and we suitable, are representing believers. him to 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 the world, mm-hmm. and you know that sort of thing. Um, but it it just because it's fulfilled in him does not mean it's not that the law disappears or the law doesn't, it because it continues to stand as testimony to that reality so that whenever we read it, we keep reminded, being reminded about Jesus. And just because, say, um, a, a a law, let's say, about shellfish, mm. uh, Jesus has in the New Testament, and we'll talk about the mechanism for doing this in a second, but Jesus in the New Testament declares all foods clean, so it doesn't mean that that word has disappeared, which is Jesus' point. Not a stroke of the pen will disappear until everything is accomplished. Um it is that it still testifies to what? To it points us to how Jesus fulfills it, and so therefore continues to be relevant. Why I'm saying that is that the Old Testament laws we view them as things that are pointing us to Christ, not in 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 their capacity as laws, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. they're the Old Testament revelation that is fulfilled in Christ, and some of those things that it reveals to us about who God is and 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 Christ continue to be things that we reflect in the same way in the new testament um but always through the lens of christ even if it's don't murder people um we go well we're going to continue not to murder people um but we are thankful especially now we know really who is condemned under the auspices of that command Mm -hmm. that christ fulfills it and is, is righteous for us so some people try to Kind of describe, but the, the the thing remains at the end of the day that when, for instance, the Old Testament teaches us, and let's let's pick a big one, um, that, that homosexual practice is unlawful. Yeah, that that, that the, the the God says that is not the way it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and it also says don't eat shellfish. Well. We eat selfish now, but mm. we want to still say that homosexuality yep. isn't. What, what's the difference? They're both a lot of, not, not as least stroke of the pen, right? Disappears. Mm. Um, because they point to Jesus and and to the to the nature of God in different ways. Mm. Why is why is homosexuality wrong? Because God has not designed God has revealed to us in the law, um, Genesis, right? How he, that he's made the world, why he's made it, how he's made human relationships to be. And so, because homosexuality, like a bunch of other things, like adultery, um, when you when, when that is done, it is overturning and just picking apart the way our God, who remains our God, in whose image we are meant to be, we we are we are resisting, we are overturning His creative order and saying we should we want to do it our way. That's yeah. what sin is. Mm. Um, and so, and the New Testament continues to say. That is still how God mm. views the world because He made the world the way He made it. Yeah, He designed it the way He designed it. Now, now, how is the the rule for not eating shellfish? Is, is um is is doing something different? It, its function is to show how um, God's people are to be markedly different from the nations around not them, that. and some of those. Laws, you, you you would go, oh, that makes sense because that's hygienic and things like that. They have a have a useful function. Yep. But something like shellfish, that's arbitrary, right? It just is. Um, uh, some can try and find arguments, but it isn't. It's it's arbitrary. It's yep. something that God says. I there are some things that I want you to do. There's some things I don't want you to do, um, and because I want you to show the world that you're my people, and um, I look after you, and you obey me. That's the order of the relationship, right? And and the world needs to see that you're different. So here's some things that you're going to do that's different from everyone around you. Yeah. Now, um, uh, what we will see is that when the when the new covenant comes around and God's Spirit um, goes out to all of the nations, uh, people of every different kind are all God's people. Mm. And in a sense, that's what you see in Acts. You know, with Peter. Yep. And how he's told. You know, so Jesus already in the Gospels declares all foods clean. Mm. And then you get a bit of an example as to why because God has accepted people now of all nations mm. and so the food things that pointed to the Israelites being particularly different is no, lo- no longer stands because there is a fulfilment that is broader than that. So, so you, you've got to let each of the instructions in the Old Testament stand on their own merits and point to Christ in the way that they're designed to point mm. to Christ. And all of them are fulfilled mm. in him but but fulfillment doesn't mean cessation of it. Yeah. Um so even the command about shellfish still stands today not and and I honor that not by um not eating shellfish but by rejoicing in the fact that I a non-Jewish person and part of the kingdom and I wouldn't have been able to be when I was in Moses's time thanks Jesus right so so yep. there, there's we, we we've got to apply the law differently.
1: Yeah. And so how do we how do we work out what's going on? Because in one sense, I look at that and go, well, the shellfish has got the, in one sense, the easy application because we see clearly in Acts. Yes. Um, you know, So we get Jesus talking about it and then we get the clear example in Acts and so we can see the way the way that that is fulfilled and, and what we can do with it. There's not always things that are as clear as to, to how that works. And so should I be scouring through Leviticus and going am I doing this right? Or actually, you know, to take kind of a classic one because I've watched the West Wing as much as anything else, you know, looking down and going, oh, but I'm wearing clothes that are of mixed... (laughs) Polycotton. You know, know, I'll catch a football that's made of leather. You know, there's lots of things that I know that I don't... I'll
0: have a creamy sauce on my
1: steak. Uh, The vegetarian (laughs) will not have a creamy sauce on her steak. But yeah, there are all sorts of things that that I kind of go I I want to honor Jesus. Mm. So I want to take all of God's word seriously. Um but how do I know what that actually looks like?
0: Yeah, uh, there's it's I it's, I think it's the right question to ask because I think we go yeah, it is the word of God. We do take it seriously. We take we take Leviticus whatever chapter it is seriously. And, and but I think what we often we, how do we treat it? Not like the Pharisees treated it. Mm. No, not by just going, I can lift that off the page, check that off and, and go job done, right? Mm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to understand what does this teach me about God? How is it fulfilled in Jesus? And if it's fulfilled in Jesus in whatever way it is, how might that apply to me? You take everything through the lens of how it's fulfilled in, mm. in Christ. Now some people have said, well, you can come up with broad categories, the reformers, I think it was, think it was Calvin, I'm fairly sure it was... I, should know that, but anyway, but he he came up with a, a threefold division, like the moral law, the civil law, the ceremonial law. It doesn't quite work, but it but it's him doing the process that is a helpful one to do. To go well, what, these laws are fulfilled in different ways, and you can kind of group them into different mm-hmm. categories. Where you go well, the, he would say, you know, the civil and ceremonial laws are, 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 are superseded by Christ, mm-hmm. such that they are no longer we're, they're no longer laws we have to obey right yep. um, um whereas the moral laws r- just reveal us in, in the enduring order of the way god has made things and people to relate and they remain straight away through that i i would go we the the, the even if you want to make that division that the moral laws um christ fulfills them christ obeys them all yeah and and um but they do is it, it's, it's recognizing there's a difference that murder doesn't change between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant mm. in terms of still being wrong. Yeah, um, It's just an enduring way, the way God made the world. I think the, the first answer is we've just got to reflect deeply upon them. We've mm. got to think about how we do what the psalmist did, meditate on the law and reflect mm. upon it. Um, uh, but, I, but I think that um, uh, I don't know are about national Israel. So the civil and ceremonial laws and their varieties, right – characterised Israel when Israel was demarcated by actual land and by um, by by those physical and cultural things that were to distinguish them uh, from uh, the people of God. But but when the new covenant comes around and the people of God become people of all nations, those kind of dis- distinguishments mm. are, are not necessary. What distinguishes us is our Christ-likeness and that, and that that is what is to mark us out as different, which is also why you see so many of the, of the laws that are more moral in character and that reflect, I want to say, get away from the word laws and go those Old Testament laws that were a more moral character, they reveal to us what God wants his Mm. people to be like and how he wants them to relate with one another. That's not about what clothing I wear. That's not about um, whether whether my territory is in Israel or on the other side of the Jordan or anything like that, which was time-located as the kingdom goes out to all nations. And so that's one of the fundamental differences, which was why we ask the question, how is it fulfilled in Christ is the way we approach the law.
1: That's really helpful. I think that's really helpful as we think about um, how that works as a whole. And that really helps us then to move through to, to some of the specifics as we think then about how do we actually do ethics um, as we look at some of these specific laws that are in the second half of Matthew.
0: Absolutely. So we'll read through the the, the second half and deal with some of them we won't need to say as much as others. But two two points um, I want to make to begin with as we look at the the second half of the passage. Uh, First of all is uh, we we need to steer clear, first of all, of of misreading such that we create a false equivalence. Now what I mean by that is, uh, and unfortunately (laughs) I've heard this on the lips of Christians and go, "No, no, 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 That's not the way it works. So when Jesus says, um, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, anyone who's angry, um, a false equivalence is to say anger is the same as murder. Right Now, no, what his point is saying is that murder makes you liable for God's judgment and and um, Jesus kind of says, no, wrathfulness actually also makes you liable for God's judgment. If you think you've defined murder so that way, as long as you don't do that, you're fine, And but you're, you're, you're wrathful yeah. against people and whatever, you ain't escaping, right? That's yeah. the point. He's, made. he's not saying that murder and being angry are the same offence mm. or that they're even equivalent to one yep. another.
1: Yeah. So they are both sin. Yes, they're that both is, sin. That is very clear. Um, and, and sin has consequences. Mm. But they're not exactly the same thing
0: and and you can if, if you're trying to go what does why does god make the commandment which we'll get on um about about murder don't don't murder if that that because you're trying to know what righteousness looks like you will also work out that that hating on people it, it is uh, it, a, a similar sort of violation of what god wants us to be because mm-hmm. we're after about being what is righteous not about just not breaking the law yeah and and so murder is not the same i would a hundred times out of a hundred be happy for people to be really angry with me please don't kill me <laughs> right that it's 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 actually quite silly to think yep. that they're false it's just like saying lo- looking at, at porn is the same as as um as committing adultery there there is a there is um they're both some they're both crimes against faithfulness, mm. but it is not the same thing. Anyone who has been physically cheated on in their life, and you ask them, Would you have rather they just looked at porn? are not going to have a struggle giving you an answer. Mm. Um, and and it's not because porn's not bad, it's because adultery is horrendous, yeah. Um, and it, and it, is, it is an absolute violation. It, it, it when you see it and interact with people that have, mm. have had it. Uh, uh, that happen in their lives it is just it's just horrible mm. and so we we can't we, we need to go understand what jesus is doing what he's not doing mm. and he's not saying hey they're all the same thing they're not all the same thing they're reflections upon what is righteous and these things are unrighteous in the same sort of way mm. that the big command is yeah um i mean adultery is, is is they're both violations against the the the, the um, command not to commit adultery but we, we don't want to make specific offense mm. equal in severity might be yeah. a way of putting it so th- th- there's just one thing that we want to go don't fall into that trap uh the second thing which is probably more helpful for us as we try to do the ethical exercises to understand um ethicist, christian ethicists have come down with kind of there's three ways of thinking about your the way you approach ethics as a christian the first one is called deontological ethics Right, it just yep. comes from the Greek word meaning it is necessary. So deontological ethic says, um, God, Jesus says, do not make any oaths. So don't make any oaths, right? God said it, don't, don't do, it, do it. Don't do it. That that so and if and 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 that that's the extent of your ethic. Did God say don't do it? Don't do it. Did God say do it? Then then do it. Simple as that. Now on one level, there's that, that operates right. <laughs> Um, and there's it, <laughs> a simplicity to it. <laughs> there's a simplicity. Is, is there have a rule no other gods before me. You know what? Don't have any other gods before him, right? That, that's not rocket science to work out. But but that is that is insufficient um, as an ethical approach to life. Uh, there, there's too many things that you go, yeah, but what about? Or, mm. what, you, the, yep. the, all the grey stuff, right?
1: The, yeah, because it, and there's lots of things that the Bible just
0: you're silenced is silent on. on. And exactly.
1: so if there's no rule, it then means that there's, there's no principle under that deontological there's no direct principle to guide no. you as to say, well, should I do this or should I do that?
0: And so sometimes it might lead you to doing things that God actually isn't happy with you because you're not asking the bigger question. Or 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 potentially you you, you misuse another part because you're trying to find an answer that you can obey, right? So so that's deontological only works to a degree, right? Yep. Then there's the, another ethic, which is called a consequentialist ethic, uh, which is, it, we just want to say it's just definitely, that's not a Christian, <laughs> the Christian ethic. Consequentialist ethic is is basically um, the end justifies the means. Um, you, you judge whether something is right or wrong to do by its end result. And if the end result is like, or by extrapolating what the end result would be, and so therefore don't do it because of the bad consequence. So you might go a little white lie is actually good because... Um, it ended up being someone didn't get hurt or whatever else like that and you resolved it all in the end. And so the consequence was fine, so it was fine. Okay. Um, uh, I, I don't think we need to deal robustly with that in this context. I think Christians, are, most Christians kind of get why that you can't justify yep. the ends. The ends don't ends justify the, the means. means. The, the third one is the one that is very, is, especially is the better ethic, right? mm. It's called a teleological ethic. And that is, you're wanting to understand where where does the, um, what is the what is the purpose behind this? What's the end goal that God wants? All right, and uh, so, uh, and to to play it out that way, and if you think about it, that's the word that is used in Matthew five forty eight. It's got the same root to it. Yeah. All right, be complete as your heavenly Father is complete. Look at the look at the whole. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But look at the whole and and see where does this where does the command what what is the end point what's the goal of do not murder mm-hmm. and that's the ethic i want to apply yep so so um and and to which we would say actually um be a peacemaker be 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 like god yep. in in his desire to reconcile not, not to do that yep. so that's what we want to we want to think about what's the bigger picture and we've already been given that what, how does this, How can I be more like my God? How can I be more like Jesus? Yep. And uh, how does this command in particular help me to do that? That's what righteousness looks like. It's beyond the mere command to what the goal is. Does mm-hmm. yep. that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does.
1: And I think it's sort of, again, it's, it's taking me back to what we looked at in Proverbs and that whole bigger picture of that as Christians, a big part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand, we understand a passage, but we understand the passage in the context that it's in, but really importantly in the context of where it fits in the whole Bible story of where God has revealed himself to and the end to which he's taking us. And we try and do everything we can living in light of what Jesus has achieved for us and where we're going.
0: Yep. So having said that, let's, let's, let's dive in um, and let's begin the beginning of, uh, of Matthew 5. We'll start, well not at the beginning of Matthew 5, we're going to look at the command for murder.
1: Okay, so from verse uh, 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get a penny out until you have paid the last penny.
0: Now, probably don't need to say too much about this one. A couple of things would be in verse 22 when we look at the detail of that, um, That is, I say to you that dm version but i say to you that whoever is wrathful to his brother it's the word for wrath which kind of helps us with anger what was that no it's it's more wrathful right to his brother will be liable for judgment whoever says to his brother idiot will be liable to the sanhedrin whoever says fool will be liable to the hellfire um you kind of got that uh, building sort of thing some people have said well is there any difference really between calling someone idiot and calling them fool i mean just talk about splitting hairs on your insults (laughs) yeah um uh I think because the word for fool carries the same emptiness. Remember, we talked about salt losing its saltiness. Yep, that that's that's the kind that's the fool uh. word. The, the losing its saltiness is, is if salt becomes foolish, loses everything. It's empty. Yeah, um, and then that you think that's that's bigger than saying, "Oh, gee, that was dumb." Just to go, y- you, you are a nothing. Mm. Like that's. The, so I I think there is a, a degree, and it's not like at some point you become in trouble he's trying to say all of these things these expressions of wrath uh, uh uh stand you on the wrong side they're not what god wants you to do that's not carrying the image of god in the way you relate to people um and so that's why it goes to the examples because our question is not what is the law i'm obeying is how as, as i look at this law and meditate upon it um how how am i to be more like god in this space clearly i don't do that but what does he want me to do yeah. and that's what Jesus goes to explain.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because the both murder and the the words you use against other people are kind of that they the way that you it's it's about destroying relationship yes. really. Um, murder is the ultimate destruction of relationship, Mm. but even those insults are what they do is they destroy relationship and create division. Mm. And yet what he then calls people to do in terms of the positive, what righteousness looks like, is the, well, hang on, if there's a barrier between you and someone else, your job is to go and be reconciled. Mm. Your job is to go and make things right. Um, That's the first thing, so be reconciled. And then the other, like, settle matters quickly with your adversary. So... Again, it's the you are the one to be proactive, to take action. And it's interesting because the kicker there is the whole thing of like, well, because if you don't have clean hands, if you haven't got it all right, actually by the time you get in front of the courtroom, you're going to be shown up for yeah. what you've done wrong and you're going to be accountable for that.
0: And the, and there's something in this as well when we're trying to think what's our big picture about what righteousness looks like, mm. right, is what the heart of murder is from the very beginning in, in – um, you know, I think it's just after Noah, after the end of the Ark incident. Um, then, when God restates His covenant to Noah, He talks about from the one who sheds blood, or anyone who sheds man's blood, from their, their blood should anyway blood, they, they should, yeah. their blood should be shed, right? Because the point is, is that humanity is made in the image of God, and mm. things that are destructive of that, which is made in the image of God, is a crime against Him, right? Yeah. And um, and the God who is from all eternity, relationship, and about. Um, being to, get the, to 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 then take one whether it's in spirit or in act, um and and destroy or seek to destroy, you see that God doesn't want that of us. Mm. That's not who our we, we look to God and what it is to be like Him. Yeah, and so they, that's that's our tele- mm. teleological thing. So, um, and it is quite interesting that the whole thing kicks off. This first illustration is someone going to engage with their God in worship, yeah, and then goes, "I am disengaged from my brother or sister. Um, if I want to engage with God and cherish this relationship, I need to be thinking about my other relationships, and I'm going to make amends and heal because I know someone's, hurt, uh, um, is is angry at me. Yep. So, um, so that's that's a, it's a helpful just set the pattern kind of way. So having set the pattern, we're going to end Episode 1 there of our Explore Through Matthew Chapter 5 and we'll come back and start again tomorrow with um, with Matthew's discussion about adultery. So I've been Dave.
1: And I've been Mandy. See you again tomorrow.